0: Hello, Fight fans. Uh welcome to another a brand new edition of In the Clinch uh, here on the uh Fight Game Media Network. Uh first of all, I just want to thank everybody for listening. Listening. If uh if you whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, however you listen, please go into in in there, give us leave us a five-star review. We can get these shows bumped up the ladder more expose it to more listeners, and we definitely appreciate all of the listeners and, you know, that we have now and in the future. And uh, if this opening sounds a little different, it's because it's a little bit of a different show this week. Uh, my uh, normal podcast partner, Paul Fontaine, is on vacation at Disney World in Florida with his family. So yeah, I'm Ryan Frederick. I, I'm joined this week by a uh, host of Write That Down uh which on uh, the Fight Game Media Network which uh, covers Japanese pro wrestling with a uh, he co-host with Fumi Saito uh, Justin Nipper big MMA fan joining me how how's it going
1: Justin I'm very excited I'm happy to talk some MMA because I usually end up talking pro wrestling mostly but I'm happy to be here and yeah. film football Who's yeah. enjoying Disneyland. He,
0: yeah, yeah, he def, he definitely is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we're just going to hop right into things. Uh, this past weekend, UFC on ESPN Plus 75, uh, which saw late main, main event change, which we talked about, which luckily happened before our show last week. Sean Strickland uh, took on Nastertin Imavov in the main event. Uh, Strickland won by unanimous decision. Uh, very... It was, in my opinion, was kind of just, uh, I wouldn't say, it was kind of a middle-of-the-road fight. Strickland, you, you, he had his normal style, which was just kind of pressing forward, but keeping his hands low and his jaw out. But a uh, size difference was absolutely enormous there. there, They fought at light heavyweight, Strickland weighed in at 205 and he was probably every bit of about 220 inside, the inside the cage. Whereas Imavov weighed in 194 and you could tell the size difference was a, was a big deal. I mean, Imovov is a small middleweight already. So, so I could just, uh, you know, I don't know if this would have been different had they fought at 185, but Strickland was just able to pressure and outlanded uh, Imovov throughout the fight. Uh, uh, I had it 48-47 for Strickland, giving them rounds one, three, and four. I thought Imovov, Va- and I thought the second round was close. It's uh, Very much a Strickland win, win-, win in my view, with Imovov Va- only clearly winning the fifth. Uh, Justin, you watched the show. Uh, what did you think of the main event?
1: Pretty similar opinion. Um, I thought things really started to slow down to a halt around fourth and fifth rounds. Um, I thought Strickland definitely won the match all- so correct me if I'm wrong. It was—is this two weeks in a row that he was in the main event? Well, it's two shows in a row. He two uh, shows in a row. Okay. Yeah. He
0: uh, he headlined the last the last card on uh, December 17th against Jared Cannonier. So then we had the three week, three four week break there. So, but yeah, first fighter to first fighter to headline two straight UFC events.
1: And uh, I mean, he went five rounds here. I'm. Strickland did what he could. I, I like watching Strickland fight for some reason I like this like the style that you mentioned it's very much a Sean Strickland style. It reminds me of a, kind of a throwback to the early USC days when it was kind of it's really much, it's very his style the way he stands the way he it's reactive but he never uh, pulls back or goes backwards high pressure but not the typical like boxing pressure that you're kind of we used to especially these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Definitely one of those styles where, where uh he doesn't like fighting somebody who has a lot of power as we've seen, as we've seen I saw against Alex Pereira back in July, back in July where, you know, he just keeps his hands low too much. He'll get knocked out by, by a power hitter, but Imovov just didn't have the power, especially fighting at 205 and with the weight, weight difference on Saturday.
1: I also thought Strickland fought a smart fight in that never really went to the ground. And I'm assuming it would have been a lot different if Imovov had a chance to show his stuff on the ground, true, which we true. see.
0: Yeah. yeah, true. Yeah. I think the only time they went to the mat was actually Strickland taking Imovov down for just a very brief, brief moment there, like in the, I think, third or fourth round. So I don't have the exact round in front of me maybe that it happened. But yeah, yeah. Very uh, strong showing for Strickland Bounced, You know, he hates going to the judges, but at the same, at the same time, he doesn't do anything that tries to like, Overwhelmingly finished the opponent. He hasn't finished somebody in a in a few years now. And uh, I thought it was I thought one of the things not to get all too political on this show was after the fight he was yelling to vote for Trump, but also calling for socialism at the same time. Same yeah. time. and then yeah, and then talking about his big metaphorical balls and how he got paid a whole bunch of money money that he didn't feel like he deserved during during for this fight. But yeah, yeah you got to give him props for stepping up on sick five days notice and just you know you know very 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 good win for him
1: i mean i'll chalk up the the post match talk to just having two big fights in a month <laughs> maybe it's yeah. maybe his head's a little, little uh you know well, clink, clanking we, around
0: we, we've heard sean strickland no, say I a know. lot of ridiculous stuff in his life
1: <laughs> that's another part of it too i, I don't want to just okay it because it is sean, sean strickland but i couldn't say i was surprised that he said any of this but i don't want to uh, combine that with his performance in the fight, because I think those are a little different. As far yeah. as, uh, as far as his, his fight IQ and his fight performance here, he, I think he really neutralized Imovov. I didn't think Imovov seemed like a threat at all. Really in the fight, I think a lot of what Imovov you know scored on was maybe just Strickland being more tired than anything. I didn't feel it felt like no, it wasn't a, a big finish, but I thought it was clear that Strickland won.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, Strickland's a guy who's also, he also talked about after the, after he weighed in and came in here fighting in 205 and maybe if he added a little size to him and went up to 205 permanently, he might have a little bit of success there because some Mm. of these middleweights have been, you know, a little too much. He just can't get over that hump. He gets to, he gets to like the number five guy and just cannot consistently break into that top five, but, uh, but yeah, but it's, you know, Imavov was a very, very hot rising contender. And, uh, you know, I feel like the late change and the, and the, uh, the weight just didn't benefit benefit him. He was definitely preparing for a South Paul and Kelvin Gastelum who was going to wrestle. You could tell that by the way, Imavov fought, but, uh, still, yeah, uh, you know, very good showing for Strickland. Hmm. So, all right, and the uh, we're, uh, we're going to go over the co-main event real, real quick because we kind of – we usually do the top two fights. Uh, Dan Ige, uh ended a three-fight losing skid, knocking out Damon Jackson in the second round. Uh, Ige was just all about hitting the power punches and rocked Jackson several times in the first round, and then he rocked him again in the second round a few times, dropped him with the left hook, and it was all over. Uh, very – Good performance for Ige, and uh, uh, and another thing, you know, speaking of post-fight interviews, he cut one really strong post-fight interview where uh, he talked about going through, you know, a long losing streak and losing confidence, and how that, how as a fighter, losing like that, losing that much in a row, and losing like that, messes with your mind, and how it affected him as you know, in the gym and even at home as a husband and as a father and just how winning just kind of seems to cure everything for a little bit. And, you know, he had a very, very strong performance. And, uh, what, what'd you think about that showing his showing?
1: I thought the finish said it all. I mean, that one, two combo that took him, that took a Damon Jackson. out. I mean, turned the guy into Gumby the guy's legs went completely limp immediately kind of back bent over on himself and you could hear it too. It was at the apex. You could hear how he loaded that, uh, that second punch up and it just, it was so perfect and you could see how he was throwing it. It was definitely thrown by a guy who has been repetitively throwing that combo at the gym every day. Just, it was so automatic and it was so perfectly placed. That was definitely one of the highlight KOs of the show for sure. And it's cool to see Daniga get, get that big win. Cause it sounds like he needed it.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's fought some of the best guys at Featherweight. I mean, yeah, he was lost three straight, but it was to Chan Sung Jung, Josh Emmett, and Mavzar Evloyev. I mean, those guys are top of the division, top of the division. And uh it's good to see him back back in the mix. And he's uh you know, he's very underrated at 145. All right, now uh, we're going to get into what we usually do here with the uh, our three stars of the show. And, Justin, you're the guest. I'm going to let you go ahead and first. Who's your three stars off of this card?
1: Three stars of the show. Uh, I'm going to go – you know, I want to go with – I guess I'm going to have to go with Strickland, but I kind of don't want to. So I'm going to skip that. I'm going I'm to give it to Ige for that beautiful knockout. I wanted to give – some props to Kopolov, who was on, in the fight before, who just blasted through uh, Soriano with that back kick. That uh, my, All my notes say for that soriano of fight is tummy ache, Soriano. Yeah. He just it was, got... It was, I, it was it was accurate too. I enjoyed that. And uh, I, I liked the Caitlin Vieira- um, Raquel Pennington fight. I don't know if I would have agreed with the outcome, but I thought Pennington did a great job, and I would have to give it to her too because I didn't expect her to pull it off. And I kind of, I would have gave uh, rounds one and three to Viera, but it, it could have went either way. It's one of those fights that could have went either way. But those are my top three.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, on the Pennington Viera fi- fight, uh, that was that was one of those fights that you're just watching. It's like like. At the end of each round, he's like, "Man, that's a tough one to score." Mm-hmm. Scored it super close, super close, and I thought all three rounds were super close. I scored it twenty nine, twenty eight for Vieira. I gave her the first and the third, first and the third. I thought the first was uh, I mean, it was all on the feet. The first, they were just kind of fighting in the distance. Pennington landed a little bit more, but Vieira was landing the harder shots, which I thought I c- got her the round. The second was when they started battling in the clinch, and uh, Vieira had more. Clinch control time, but Pennington was doing a little bit more damage and landing more in the clinch. And I, th- I thought that that one or the second and the the third was the closest of of any. They were just clinched up most of the time. Vieira had a lot of control time. She landed a lot of elbows. Uh, Pennington landed more significant strikes, but. But uh, but uh, Vieira landed more t- uh, total strikes in the round, and it could have gone either way. Either way, uh, the only round the judges had agreement was all three uh, gave Pennington the second round. Uh, no media scores were like eighty-seven percent for Vieira and thirteen percent f- for Pennington, which usually le- leads people to assume like, yeah, it was a robbery. That is not a robbery in this case. It was just one of those super close fights that could have gone either way.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a robbery. It's just it's one of those instances in MMA where we see how much more value that striking has in a fight over control time and general grappling. Like you said, uh, uh Caitlin Vieira, she was controlling for more of the fight, clearly more of the fight than Raquel Pennington, but the shots that mattered, the shots that apparently, you know, changed minds were the ones that Raquel Pennington was throwing. Yeah. So, it's um yeah, some it's just i guess depends on the backgrounds of the judges too if some in my mind i think control time should count for a lot more because you're controlling what the opponent can or can't do it's a, it's a big part of it and if it's a situation like this where you know Vera also had the uh, more total strikes even though they weren't the most significant and if she had the more control time that would let me think that maybe she had the advantage and could have won but i I digress. Yeah,
0: yeah. And like I said, super close fight. And this is another one of those fights where i I mentioned this a lot, a lot, that view that you have cage side. I've had that view several hundred times. And then that view you have on TV, sometimes the two don't, necessarily mix hmm. you you miss some something in there and what the judges saw could have been the, you know could have easily been the
1: difference absolutely so. especially in the clinch too when you're not so look at that look at the how yeah, oh, exactly. convenient but what, what in the clinch especially on tv especially if there's a cage instead of a ring uh it's the nuanced parts of being in a clinch You don't really see, or it's just hard to see because the camera's not in the right place at the right time and maybe someone shifted their shoulder in a really important way where they got an underhook. You don't see that unless you are as close to the octagon as you were. So that could be it too. And especially when you're watching TV and you're not always paying attention, there could be MMA always has that, you know, you turn your head for a split second and you missed a very major part of the match or you might have missed the finish. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Okay, for me, uh, my three stars, uh, number one, I'm going to go with Cousin Umar, Umar Nurmagomedov. Uh,
1: That was a big uh, KO, too.
0: That was a big KO. I mean, he was – Rayoni Barcelos is a tough opponent. He's a guy who doesn't lose lose very often. It was a big test for Nurmagomedov, and I thought Umar – put in his best performance so far. He's just, his striking was crisp. It was all on the feet. There was no takedown attempts at all, at all. And Umar was just mixing his punches and kicks. And Barcelos, to his credit, landed a few hard shots, and they got inside the pocket, and then, and Umar landed a knee to the chest and then a left hook put Barcellos out cold, and then and you saw that whole sequence where Umar landed one one more hammer fist, and then realized Barcellos was out, and he started, like, cradling his head just to make sure that he was okay and everything. So that was kind of – that was really classy by Umar after the fight. Uh, my second uh, star, I'm going to go Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. I've been super high on this guy for a long time. I thought he had the potential to be a UFC champion when he first came in. First came in because he was having – Having such, he had such a strong start to his UFC career, career knocking guys out in the first round. And then he went through a little bit of a slump where he lo- lost four or five. You know, had trouble making welterweight, moved up to middleweight, was just kind of looking to find his bearings. And then, but uh, this week, this weekend on Saturday, uh, he just he obliterated Claudio Rivera in the second round. The first round was super close. Rivera was uh, landing kicks all throughout, and then they started clinching, and uh, Alisama was doing damage. At the end of the first round, it landed a big flurry at the end of the first to the point where if it may have gone 20 more seconds, it would have ended in the first. As it turned out, all it took was 28 seconds in the second round for a finish. Uh, Alisson just landed a big old flurry and a couple of big right hands put Ribeiro down and out and a uh, big Big win for Allison. His first win that came outside of the first round. It's crazy, but you not know, not that much after. And then my third star. I'm gonna go uh, with Charles Johnson. Opening fight, a uh, very very strong showing is Jimmy Flick. Just Flick was coming off of a, a two year long retirement. Yeah, two years. Yeah, twenty December 2020. Yeah, two years, 25 months. Uh, but uh, and uh, Johnson just outstruck him throughout the fight. Uh, was able to. Nullify takedowns, reverse to the top off the takedown, and just started landing uh, big elbows and punches. And uh, got the finish in the first round, a very strong showing. And uh, as far as the rest of the card, here's the full results. Uh, It started off with uh, Charles Johnson uh, finishing Jimmy Flick in the first round. Then we had Dan Argueta, uh, unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board over Nick Aguirre in in the second fight. In the next fight, uh, Alan Nascimento, first round submission of Carlos Hernandez. Uh, They had a sequence where Nascimento got it down to the ground. He took the back. They ended up standing, and Nascimento was in the backpack position, got the rear naked choke, and got the submission as they were standing. Very, very slick submission. Then we had a lightweight fight uh, between two debuting fighters, Matus Rebecca unanimous decision over Nick Fiore. Rebecca just uh, dominated with uh groundwork then we had Abdul Razak Halasan over Claudio Ribeiro 28 seconds in the second round a knockout then to close out the prelims we had Javid Basharat the unanimous decision over Mateus Mendoza however they say it and then on the main card kicked off with uh Umar Nurmagomedov first round KO over Rayona Barcelos then Raquel Pennington split decision over Ketlin Vieira and then Roman Kopylov second round finish over Punahale Soriano uh, and then Dan Ige over Damon Jackson, second round knockout, and then Sean Strickland over Imovov in the main event. And as far as bonuses, there was uh, four performance bonuses given out: Dan Ige, Roman Kopylov, Umar Nurmagomedov, and Alan Nashimento. Anything else from the card you
1: want to go over, Justin? I think it was Ige who did he is he the one who had a fifty k written on his uh, wrist tape.
0: Yeah, yeah, his nickname is fifty K. Fifty K. He's always trying to get that bonus, Dan fifty K Gay. So
1: Well, I'm glad he got some uh some extra dough extra on that dough. night. Yeah, yeah, see so, yeah, and uh yeah. It was at the Apex,
0: you know more shows at the Apex before they uh start the remodel to actually allow more people into this into the venue. So That'll be interesting.
1: Uh, I like the shows from the apex personally, just because, you know, they started doing them during the pandemic, but I like for mixed martial arts, I think it's a good setting. Cause you can really hear a lot with, of the action that you wouldn't hear if there's a loud crowd.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have my love. I have a love hate relationship with the apex. I've been to the show in the apex. It's a very nice, it's very nice when you're there. I think running it too much. This was the seventy fourth event they've had at the Apex since the pandemic started. Mm. So you know, so when you have seventy four events in the same same venue in less than three years, it can get stale. Uh, You know, it's very easy to very easy to hate these cards. But yeah, yeah, I do. I do agree with. I do like the fact you
1: can hear a lot more. A lot more.
0: Uh, uh, Real quick, I know you're a big one. Fan, did you happen to catch the one show this past weekend?
1: You know, somebody asked me the same thing. No, I didn't. It was on Friday, right? It was with Stamp Fair Text so she was supposed to fight. Yeah. Yeah. I did not catch it. Yeah. I didn't watch it either. I just
0: thought I'd bring it up since I know since I know you you tend to watch one quite, oft- quite I often quite often. I try
1: to <laughs> when and I like the, the um Amazon production they have going. I it's it just happens to be on kind of Friday nights when I'm just I'm out or it's just It's just been bad timing, but I'm going to try to proactively try and watch more. And the cards have been good. I I like the submission grappling uh, matches that they've been doing because they have been getting the best in the world at the moment. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of times I keep
0: up with one more so whenever you're, you're discussing it with both with me and paul so so sometimes i like i'm all like man i didn't watch one maybe justin did i mean i find out stuff from him so
1: <laughs> there was a big uh uh i forget the names of the fellows but a big kickboxing match that ended in uh crazy ko but
0: yeah i think it was the main event uh mm. i have no idea how to pronounce these names <laughs> gonna...
1: yeah a lot of thai names malay yeah, names yeah, yeah. uh I'm not sure, yeah. but uh, I, I do want to dig in and watch it more on Amazon Prime. Yeah, they they have that big show coming up in
0: May in uh, the US debut in uh in Broomfield, Colorado with Demetrius Johnson again against uh uh Adriano Moraes. So that should be that should be a pretty pretty big show for them. I'll be sure huh. to I'll be sure to catch that one out. May uh, May fifth, Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. Huh.
1: Uh, are they gonna do it in a in a circular ring like they do in asia i i
0: haven't i don't know that that's been announced uh yeah I don't know how yeah. they're gonna
1: present it here
0: yeah I mean uh it says here Colorado was chosen for the u s a b because its athletic commission was the first to approve one's rule set which may which may include the ring may include the circular cage hmm. I don't know I don't know it'll be uh I guess it's kind of one of those things we'll find out as we get closer to it. It's still three and a half months away. So mm. yeah. And uh all right, before we get into this weekend's big UFC show, couple of uh notable regional shows this week. Uh Invicta fifty Invicta FC fifty-one, uh Wednesday night on Access TV from uh Denver, Colorado. It's got a uh it's got a main event, uh, uh, the uh, bantamweight championship, uh, Tanisha Tennant against former UFC fighter Talita Bernardo, and a couple other notable fighters on the show, Kaitlyn Souza against Christina Williams. You got Serena de Jesus, and uh, yeah, that's about it. You know, Invicta usually has pretty fun, easy to watch shows, especially if you like women's MMA. And then uh, we also have, let's see. Uh, what, what, pass it uh the only other real notable one saturday afternoon if you're uh looking for something to watch before the ufc ksw is uh having a big show over the, over there in poland you know those are always fun shows to watch uh main event michael materla against kendall grove former ufc fighter who oh ultimate who, fighter yeah uh, yeah ultimate fighter winner season three yeah Yeah, uh hasn't fought in MMA since, uh, 2019. He's so, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, those are always fun shows to watch and there's usually always some crazy stuff going on and they have, they have a great environment for shows as well. And, uh, I think I saw something here. There's a, a local AFL show in, uh, Action Fight League at the Seminole Hard Rock in uh, in Florida, which is supposedly has Hector Lombard in the main event, but also has Diego Brandau in the co-main event, and then Impa Kasangane against Marcus Perez in a main card bout, former UFC fighters squaring off. So that's a little you – know, I was just scrolling through and saw that on Tapology. So it's an interesting little – uh, regional show there, but of course uh, this weekend big show uh, UFC 283. It is st- still taking place in Rio de Janeiro, despite all the craziness going on in Brazil. Uh, you know, hope, oh, hopefully that, zero and <laughs> the riots. And... Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that. Hopefully it doesn't affect anything, and that everybody traveling to to there gets there safe and the everybody leaving is safe I haven't seen what the what the latest going on down there is I just remember seeing it a couple of weeks ago when all this stuff kind of started happening and I heard that it was you know it wasn't a fun place to be at the moment but a uh, bit
1: hectic to put it mildly but <laughs> hopefully hopefully a sporting event like this with some some Brazilian fighting heroes can bring people together and calm people down for a bit
0: hopefully and hopefully you know none of the stories that I've Heard about that happened in the past to UFC people in Brazil. Brazil. Hopefully, none of that happens this week, this weekend. But uh, uh, we got two big, two big main events, two title fights. Uh, main event: the vacant light heavyweight championship. will will uh, let's knock on wood here. Well, hopefully, yeah. there'll be a light heavyweight champion at the the night. Glover Teixeira, the guy who should have been in the title fight to get from the get go. Uh, Forty three years old, looking the. Yeah, forty-three years old, looking to become champion once again, and to do it in Brazil. But he's got a very tough opponent, Jamal Hill ahead of ahead of him. Hill's a powerful, very powerful on the feet. On the feet, the one thing Hill struggles with still is wrestlers, and Teixeira is going to have to fight the smart game plan and wrestle him down. And uh, and yeah, this is a super interesting fight. I tend to favor Teixeira just because the experience and being in brazil and just you know he's there's i feel like there's something in him where he's like determined to get that title back and to try to avenge the loss to per to yuri and uh this a win here would set that up you know you know should yuri be able to fight you know come june july and not have to take off over a year uh but yeah, it's it's it I think this is a legitimate uh title fight even though Jamal Hill's a little bit down on the rankings. I think he's only like 7th, but he he was going to be a title contender by the end of the year. It's rushing him in because they needed an opponent, but yeah, I think this is a big fight. What do you think about it?
1: It's a big fight and I think it thinking about it with my pro wrestling brain I think about it like this, Glover Teixeira has way more to lose in this than Jamal Hill. And if, if Jamal Hill were to lose, um, I think he's at a point in his career where I don't think it would you know, be a huge roadblock in his career where if uh, Teixeira were to lose, I think it would say a lot more for the meaning of how long the rest of his career is be. Would he face off with Yuri again? But again, like you said, he is in Brazil. He's his age where if he wins this, it's so meaningful. It's so much more of a different context than Jamal Hill's. But then again, Jamal Hill has the power and the ability to end the match in a snap with a flash KO. I could absolutely see that happening too. So it's exciting to think about what happens because either way, either direction it goes, and it's going to be a big deal for either of these guys' careers. Different scenarios, but it's going to be a big deal whoever wins.
0: Yeah. I've always I've always felt like if there was one UFC fighter where you could make like the Rocky type movie Hmm. of that Glover Teixeira would fit that just because of winning the title when he did against against and just doing it again here would just kind of be like like he could walk away from the sport if he were to win the tie win the title on Saturday in Rio and nobody would blame him. He won't. He won't and I don't even I think even if he were to lose he'll he'd have that determination to, to go after, after it still. And uh, he's, and just his last, his resurgence last few years, ever since that loss to Corey Anderson, you know, where he reeled off six straight wins to become champion. Like, like that's unheard of after the age of 40, this is, this is, this is Randy Couture type kind of resurgence, resurgence there. And, you know, you know I don't I don't tend to root for people but it's hard not to root for Glover in this situation come Saturday I'm sure and then uh and then of course the uh co-main event the uh, the very first time in UFC history that that a, uh, a that two individuals fight for the fourth time and For the fourth time, and yet, and also for the fourth time, in a title fight, uh, the UFC flyweight championship going to be unified again. Davis and Figueroa, the champion, Random Moreno, the interim champion. Uh, They've uh, they've split the first three fights. The the first fight was famously famously the draw. You know, one of the best fights of twenty. And it was 2020. I think it was, yeah, was, I think it was pandemic.
1: Yeah. I, I remember that
0: one. Was that December. was an amazing fight. Yeah, yeah, it was the fight where both of them had fought in November, and they, need, they needed a main event for that December show, mm-hmm. and they both agreed to come back. I think it was like three weeks later, and it turned into one hell of a fight. Mm-hmm. And then the second fight happened in uh, Arizona. on the, uh, the, the It was a co-main event there on the uh, Adesanya-Vittori fight, and uh, Moreno submitted Figueredo to become the champion. And then they fought for the third time last year, last January, and uh, at UFC 270, and uh, Figueredo won a close decision um, and to uh, win the title. And they were trying to make the fourth fight for the summer, but Figueredo was injured, and there was talk about him going to 135, and he didn't really want to fight Brandon Moreno for a fourth time, but it, but there was no other option, so Moreno fought of France at UFC 277 here, in my stomping grounds of Dallas in a uh, July finished Kai Kaikara France and, uh, yeah. And kind of forced forced the hand for this fourth fight and all three fights have been incredible. I'm not expecting anything different except now it's Moreno trying to go into Figueredo's backyard to, uh, to win the title, and it, one of the big stories for Marino coming in this fight is the James Kraus situation. He had James Kraus in his corner for the Kaikar France fight. Of course, now Kraus is suspended, mm. front, suspended uh, from coaching. I think that's the least of his worries right now. Right now, with the recent news that came out, and uh, and but uh, Marino was working with Saif Sayud from uh, Fortis MMA, who just got a bunch of Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year recognition for uh, for this past year. They were working together for the last month, so uh, so yeah, he's got a he's got a strong corner back with them, and uh, I mean, I can't find any reason to think why this won't be exciting as well. And i I tend to favor Moreno here. I think I think he's the fact that he finished the Figueredo, Figueredo that one time just gives him that slight edge, and I think he's. Uh, gonna have something to prove going down to brazil and trying to trying to win the title on enemy in in enemy territory
1: yeah i don't know if it was just me or my, like my bad memory but i felt towards the third fight and, and into this trying to make this fourth fight Figueiredo has been the one who has been uh less aggressive in trying to make the fight than maybe moreno's camp i don't know uh what i'm interested to see is no matter who wins this will they continue to have matches after that will they continue to bring the program around the world or would they is this is this the final one (laughs) i
0: i want to i want to say this is going to be the final one the way those first three fights have gone i could watch these guys fight 10 times but it is time to move it is time to move on the division you got alexander pantoja waiting Mateus nicolau waiting you got Manel Cobb, Mohammed Mokayev on this, on the rise. I mean, there's there's some legit contenders coming up, and I think this has to be it it for it. And I I, I easily envision a scenario where if Figueredo loses, he finally makes that move to 135 that he's been talking about. He was on Ariel Helwani's show today. He said he still has about nine pounds to cut, but to make weight. So he's always been a guy who pushes the limit. He he has famously missed weight before for a title fight. That uh that first time we fought Joseph Benavides back in uh February of twenty twenty. He missed weight, didn't get to become champion that night. And uh that'll be that'll be a story to keep an eye on as the week goes
1: on. Nine pounds in maybe less than a week is not the healthiest, but hey, these are pros, so yeah i'll take his word for it yeah yeah
0: not well especially when you're at 125 like that's you're you know, already not, half
1: you're, you're almost gone anyway yeah, you know there's nothing yeah, the, there
0: yeah nine pound losing nine pounds when you're having to make 205 or 185 is way different than losing nine pounds when you're having to make 125 twenty-five five. and these guys you know so uh, yeah that that's uh that's a big story to watch and uh as far as the rest of the card uh we usually each do three fights to watch. So Justin, go ahead and give me three fights that you're looking forward to seeing.
1: Well, definitely looking forward to the two that we just talked about, uh, and it's a toss-up between the Gilbert Burns and Neil Magny match and the Jessica Andrade Lauren Murphy match. Um, because I, with the with the women, I don't. I think both, not Lauren Murphy. I'm not sure, but I think they're both. They both lost to Shevchenko uh in the recent past right
0: yes yes
1: um i and maybe i'm off base here but this is a platform to say i always thought that jessica Andraj looks like she could be related to sammy Guevara. <laughs> i always thought they were the very similar looks so sammy and lauren i, yeah, I don't I see know that. i see that yeah uh, I think I think I don't know if Laura Murphy had another fight after Shevchenko, but she got rocked hard by Shevchenko. I yeah. Remember.
0: Yeah. Murphy. Murphy's coming off the she last fought in July,
1: uh, beating Misha Tate. So. Right. She. OK. She did come back and beat Misha Tate. So maybe Laura Murphy has some momentum. Uh, I, You know, I'm going to go with the the, the women's flyweight matches. My third one outside of the uh, Figueiredo and Moreno and the main event and Glover to and Jamal Hill. Okay. I think uh, the main event is definitely the one I want to see the most. I, I'm very interested to see what happens uh, yeah. afterwards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Me outside, you know, outside of the top two fights, uh, three other fights I'm looking forward to. Uh, one of them is on the very early prelims, a lightweight fight, Terrence McKinney against Ismael Bonfim. Uh, both Bonfim brothers are making their debuts here. Terrence McKinney is a stud lightweight. He's got the potential to be a title. Uh, contender in the future he's three and one thus far thus far in the UFC his only loss came to Drew Dober in a fight he took on like 10 days notice Drew Dober is is a legitimate top lightweight that's not a bad loss at all but McKinney has looked good all of his every single one of his wins outside of one have come in in the first round First round, so uh, yeah, that's a guy. That's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, another fight I'm looking forward to. Uh, it's it's a uh, on the main card light heavyweight fight, uh, Paul Craig against Johnny Walker. Paul Craig is somebody who pulls wins out of his ass. He he could be losing for four minutes and fifty seconds and find a way to get a submission in the last ten seconds. You know, which he has. He's the only. He's the only guy to. Uh, to beat Magomed Alkalaev, and he did it with one second to go in a, in a, in a fight. And uh, he's coming off a loss to Vulcan Ozdemir. Uh, Johnny Walker, he's a exciting light heavyweight. Everybody was itching to see him fight John Jones when he got started off with three straight knockouts. Knockouts went through a rough patch, lost four or five, but he's coming in off a win over Ion Kudalaba in September. And uh, looks to be, be having his confidence. And I think that should be an exciting fight. And the third fight on my list, I'm only saying saying this, I'm not saying this because I think this fight will be exciting, but it's a legend retiring. Shogun Hua is going to be in his final oh, fight. Oh, right. In Brazil. Against, in Brazil. is doing it in Brazil. He's fighting for the final time against Ihor Pachera. Uh, yeah,
1: Shogun. I mean, what can be I get said nostalgic. About that? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah he was one of the first real like. I, we'll talk about Francis Ngannou in a little bit, but Shogun was one of those early like. He had bricks for fists. Him and other guys like Igor Vovchanchyn, but we didn't see them in the UFC. Shogun was just those knockouts were. I still remember those clearly. Yeah,
0: I mean, my first. I didn't watch a ton of Pride. Uh, when I was younger, just because the pay, uh, you know, my pay per view was kind of restricted to to uh, UFC and and you know, unfortunately, I was not at, a, at an age to where traveling to Japan was a thing. But I will say I was lucky enough to go to Pride 33 there in February of uh, of 2007. It was in Vegas, was first, yeah. In Vegas, you know, the Dan Henderson knocking out Vanderlei and then the whole Nick Diaz craziness with Takanori Gomi. But another fight on that show was watching Shogun knock out Alistair Overeem in the first round. And that was my first real, like, hardcore exposure to Shogun. And then he moved over to the UFC, you know, lost to Forrest Griffin in that first fight, but then came back, became a champion, He's been a top guy for years. You know, it hasn't been being a Shogun fan over the last few years hasn't been always pretty. Pretty, you know, he's got some wins, but he had a lot of bad loss, bad looking losses. And, uh, and yeah, 41 years old, but the guy's going into the Hall of Fame the moment, you know, the moment his career's done. And yeah, just he's just he's a legend in every sense of the book. And it's always, you know, we saw a lot of fighters retire you know 2022 and it's going to keep coming for a lot of these guys that were big stars in the in the mid tw- 2000s and then the 2010s you know so uh yeah i just you know hopefully he can go out with a good showing especially in brazil so
1: yeah it's it we're seeing it more now but you know i think we're around the same age we're seeing these full cycles of uh MMA fighters career from, you know, the beginning, the early stages to maybe some ugly losses towards the end, but it's not, it's a sport that hasn't, we haven't gotten all the patterns. We don't see them yet. And now we're starting to see the full life cycle of, of a fighter, like someone like Shogun Hua, who he said is 41, which makes it even that more amazing that Glover Teixeira is in the main event at 43, so. Yeah,
0: yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like I said, yeah, like you said, we're around the same age, and I, I, I see this like all the time now. Being a big football, f- I'm a big football fan, a big, a big uh, baseball fan, and a big NASCAR fan, and a lot of. And I'm starting to feel like that when I see guys that I've you know grown up watching and watching, you know, in my in my teens and early twenties and they start retiring It's like, damn, now I'm starting to feel like I am getting old. Like, yeah. Holy shit, where is the time gone? Right. Time gone. So uh but yeah that's uh those are our three fights to watch each uh full card rundown uh starts off at six eastern time with the early prelims on ESPN plus six early prelims It uh, kicks off of the white fight Simon Oliver against Daniel Marcos then another bantamweight fight, Luan Lacerda against Cody Stamen. Then we have a rare women's featherweight fight, Josiane Nunez against Zara Farron. A welterweight fight, you know, interesting welterweight fight here. Worley Alves against Nicholas Dolby. Lightweight fight, Terrence Bikini against Ismail Bonfim. And then a heavyweight fight, Shamil Durokimov against Jolson Almeida. I didn't mention this in our three fights to watch, but Almeida is a stud prospect a guy to keep an eye on he can fight at heavyweight or light heavyweight but he was one of the he was one of the big, big uh breakout newcomers of 2022 and he definitely has the potential to be a title contender by the end of 2023 and then uh our four main prelims uh going to be eight each time they're going to be on abc for those who like watching on abc and then also on espn and espn plus uh we got a welterweight fight munir lazes against the other bonfim brother gabriel then we have a lightweight fight, Tiago Moises against uh, Melk Costa. And then a middleweight fight, Gregory Rodriguez against Bruno Ferreira, and then Shogun uh, Hua against Ihor Patera, uh, closing out the prelims. And then the main card, uh, ten extra time, ESPN Plus pay per view. Paul Craig against Johnny Walker, Jessica Andrade against Lauren Murphy. Big welterweight fight: Gilbert Burns against Neil Magny, and then our two title fights: Davis and Figueroa against Brandon Moreno and Glover to share against Jamal Hill. Yeah, anything else you want to go over on that, Justin?
1: And that show, no. That seems like the uh, the big that the big uh, the big matches up top, and that I really you, thank you for reminding me that the Shogun Hua match is this weekend too. I, they showed a little preview for it over the weekend on this weekend show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. And, uh, all right, now we're going to get into the big story and this is going to be our in the clinch. We have to talk about segment of the week and, uh, it's a, it's a big one. Uh, okay. So here's how I'll start it. Uh, if you've been listening to the show for, for a while, you will know I've been on top of the John Jones situation for the whole, the whole, the whole time, the whole length, the length of the existence of this show, the show about when he's going to come back, when is he going to fight, and I kind of let it slip. I want to say it was about June or so last year that he had signed a new new contract, and uh, we've been talking about you know he'd been booked for fights in July, in September, in November, in December, and then and then it was a matter of uh, who he's going to face face, and the whole time for those fights it was. Supposed to be Stepe Miocic. Well, a deal with Stepe never transpired. You know, Stepe had a new had a new kid. He's you know he only he seemed to only be interested want, interested in wanting to fight Francis Naganu for the title. But uh, it, time passed. Time passed, and Stepe kind of lost loss of self. And once once December kind of rolled around, and they realized they weren't going to be able to do John Jones and Stepe Miocic in that fight, they moved. They moved to where John Jones was going to return on March 4th, no matter what. It's just going to be a matter of who. And they did it on March 4th with the hope that Francis Naganu would sign a new deal and be recovered from his knee injury and they could do Jones and Ngannou. Well, unfortunately, that's not the case. That fight's not happening on March 4th. Stipe's not happening March 4th. John Jones, though, will be fighting Cyril Ghosn in the main event of UFC 285 March 4th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. And the interesting part is it is for the undisputed UFC Heavyweight Championship, which was held by Francis Naganu. Naganu has been stripped of the title. He is officially a free agent. They did not come to terms terms on a new deal at you know as of this past weekend. i I really feel like they will continue to negotiate, and uh, I also heard that Naganu is not quite a hundred percent percent, uh, recovered from his knee injury to the point where even if he had come to terms to the new deal, March 4th was not necessarily a given that he would be able to fight then. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, he's been released from the UFC, uh, released from his contractual rights. Uh, no UFC has opted to waive their matching right period. He is free to negotiate with anybody anybody wants. So uh, Justin, first question, uh, what's your interest level in Jones against Khan?
1: Mm, well, John Jones is a tricky character because of course I, I want to see him fight. He's one of the best ever, but, this guy, over the past couple of years, he's so such an unsavory character that I often ignore his headlines and try to avoid, you know, reading more and more about him because I just get angry. But this is becoming par for the course for USC. Um, I hope Cyril Gunn has a, a good chance. I, I don't know, it's been such a long time since John Jones has fought, so I don't know what can I'm sure he's in fine condition, but also. Um, it's just been so long, so it's hard to have an opinion. So that is one of the things that piques my interest the most is that what's John Jones uh, up to these days? And is it going to be something that Cyril Gung can handle? So it's less about I'm interested in John Jones himself. I'm more interested in seeing how he's been and how he's held up because he's not uh, he's not exactly young anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he's uh uh going to do uh, or going to put in a performance that's subpar or anything but um hey a couple years could be an eternity in mma sometimes so i'm interested to see in what the fight will be like and and if it'll go the distance i imagine it will uh and i am but if honestly from just as you know casual fan dipping in and being familiar with both their styles if it goes to the ground, I can't, it has to go to John Jones. I don't know who's better than him on the ground like that. You know? He, yeah. Yeah. I'm,
0: I'm, a uh, this matchup, I'm super interested in. Uh, I do think we're going to see a different John Jones than we have in his last couple of fights, mainly because he's now broken away from that whole Greg Jackson mm. camp. He's, uh, now training, He he's doing his own thing in Albuquerque. He's still working with Brandon Gibson. I think he's still working with Greg Jackson a little bit, but his main thing over the past year when he's been getting, when he's been gaining a little bit more size and everything I've seen of him, like he looks, he looks ready for heavyweight, you Mm -hmm. know, physically, physically he looks ready for heavyweight, heavyweight, which was kind of, it was, I want to say it was part of the reason why it's been taking him so long is because he wanted to be, I think he wanted to hit a certain weight. And I always heard like, Like he wanted to be able to where he could go through a camp and maintain 245 to 250. So it's big. Yeah. I mean, because he was usually around 230 when he would do his camps at light heavyweight. But of course, you know, you know, as you're light heavyweight, you start dieting down during camp. He wanted to be able to go through a full camp to where of knowing what to do to maintain the weight. So that was part of the holdup. And the other part of the holdup in him was a getting a new deal and B, they didn't want to use him with the empty arena shows. So, so that was uh-huh. a whole part of the holdup, hold up for him fighting. But, uh, yeah, John Jones, you know, f- forget about every, if you take away everything, he's the most talented fighter. I think that's ever graced the octagon uh-huh. and, uh, yeah, he's, He's done a lot of questionable things outside of outside of it. And obviously the most recent stuff was, was that Hall of Fame ceremony and the incident with his now, I guess, ex-fiance. I don't think they're together anymore. From what I know, John has – well, from what I've heard, John has completely changed, kind of, sort of. You know, he's not – he's – he – from what was said, he learned – his lesson from all that like that was a very sit- serious situ- situation and uh he's trying to better himself which which if, it, if that's legit like you know i always feel like people should be given the chance to redeem themselves so uh so i'm a big believer in letting people redeem themselves but as far as like uh whether he's going to be inside how it's going to come off inside Gon's an interesting opponent for him. Gon's a kickboxer and he's got good wrestling, but he doesn't have the wrestling in the ground game that John Jones has. And uh, yeah, I think I do think I do I do favor Jones in it if we see the Jones of the past. And I think working with Henry Cejudo, and if Cejudo isn't fighting on the card, uh, he's going to be in Jones's corner, and Cejudo is. You know, take away all the cringiness that Suhudo has has. He's a, he's one of the smartest fighters and smartest like smartest like people who watch MMA. Like he gets the sport, unlike any unlike very few people do. I've always thought the smartest fighters as far as it comes down to breaking down fights were always Connor when his head was completely in it, he was on another level as far as what he saw fighters doing. So, Sahudo's there. Dominic Cruz, when he doesn't try to be overbearing, is there too. Uh, you know, just some guys just just are very good. And I think Sejudo, when he when he retires, he's gonna be a very good coach. And uh, but yeah, I think he's that's gonna be a big key. And I do favor John Jones as of right now. And uh this Nagano news, uh, what's your reaction to it?
1: Well, it seemed like it was brewing for a while. We just didn't know exactly which direction it'd go. Uh, Now that it happened, uh, it's kind of like, well, UFC knows where they're going. They know the deal. Now, is Ngannou, is he going towards Tyson Fury? Is that the direction? I'm assuming it's something in that direction, in the direction of boxing, not pro wrestling, not another MMA company. Imagine boxing. And I I think that will be cool if it actually gets set up and he's not injured and he's ready to go. But um, it seems like UFC made their mind up before he did
0: yeah i mean uh, okay so i have a little insight into a little this and we're going to hear for those listening uh show we're recording this monday night show comes out tuesday tuesday by the time most of y'all listen to this uh francis will have been on ariel helwani's show that he's doing a special show on tuesday with francis as a guest so we're going to hear his side of the story If you've listened to the podcast, you you've heard me say that they were very close to signing a new deal because they were. There was times where I where I was told like it's just a matter of putting pen to paper, and I don't know what happened if something if you know if something last minute, something happened last minute, it broke down. Maybe it was because Naganu wasn't going to be ready to fight March 4th, March 4th. And they, you know, they needed to move on, move on from that. I don't know what the, I don't know what the deal is. If, uh, you know, Dana did his little post fight pe- press conference uh, where he uh, was talking about the situation. And he said they, that they offered uh, Naganu more money than any heavyweight of ever. Ever, including Brock Lesnar, which uh, which it just it depends what he means by that. If he means by what we know of disclosed pay, that means he uh, that means Nagano got at least offered a minimum of, I want to say four million a fight, uh, because mm. Brock's biggest disclosed pay was two point five million for the Mark Hunt fight. Now, if he's talking about what Brock really made, then we're talking about Nagano turning down. Turning down somewhere about around ten million a fight at at a minimum, at a minimum because Brock's biggest payday was against Hunt. But if uh, but uh from what people have been saying over the years that he that Brock made eight million dollars for the Hunt fight because they said he he got paid more for that fight than he made than he made in WWE that year and his WWE deals were like six million a year at that mm-hmm. time I think it's more now but uh. But yeah, I mean, uh, if we take what Dana said at face value, and then Richard Schaefer, who is John Jones's, John a uh, new advisor, new manager, uh, he was on Ariel Hawani's show today. John Jones did sign. They did confirm that John Jones did sign a new eight-fight deal, you know. And uh, uh, Richard Schaefer said said that the uh, that uh, Jones and Nagano were offered. Uh, Paydays that would have been the biggest payday, payday in UFC heavyweight history for this fight. Like they offered them, they offered both men more money than they offered any uh, any UFC heavyweights ever to make to try to make this fight. So from that, I take from that like UFC did what they could financially to try to make that fight. And I know that Hunter Campbell is disappointed that the Nagano stuff didn't work out. Didn't work out, and you know Dana kind of just doesn't care. But at the same time, Dana's not really as involved when it comes to f- contracts and fights and all that as he was. He's more big picture kind of kind of thing thing these days. So he can kind of be when it comes to anybody. Oh, they didn't they didn't agree to contract. Oh well, you know who's next? You know kind of situation. Uh, for, as far as what Francis does, I do think. This is my gut feeling as we record this Monday night. I do think he'll be back in the UFC, and I think they will eventually, eventually go back to the table. Uh, the Fury fight, you know, Tyson seems like he's he's being more serious about wanting to take these serious boxing fights. Like he knows his his time taking the serious boxing fights is almost up, because after. What what was this what's his last fight? What was Tyson Fury's last
1: fight? a month or two ago against yeah, um what was oh it? what's his name? I forget um forget the name, yeah. He's a fella. he's he's already beaten like three times. Um yeah. oh gosh, I got to look that up. It was it was pretty re- like maybe 2 months ago.
0: Yeah, I know it was like November. I'm yeah. Gonna
1: forget that. I'm going to look that up right now just yeah, one yeah. second. Uh,
0: Chisora, Chisora. That's right. Yeah, he beat Chisora in. I think Chisora retired after that, or said he was going to. Yeah, that was uh, that was December third, and then uh, which set up which is setting up the fight against uh, Alexander.
1: Uh, how do you say Usyk? Uh, yeah, Alexander Usyk. Yes. Yeah. Usyk. Yeah. They had a little showdown after a little that. Showdown. That, was like, that was more exciting than the actual fight. Yeah, and I think that's supposed
0: to happen. That that uh, I don't know if they've come to terms yet, but uh, let's talk about. I think they're talking about April, May for that. And I think Fury wants to wants to fight Anthony Joshua. I think he wants to fight a couple more serious boxing fights before he starts going the exhibition route, which I don't see you know, I don't see Francis being like Francis isn't a draw. We'll put it to the let me put it to that way. He's not a draw. He's not Connor McGregor. He's yeah, not, outside you know, of USC at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he's not he's not a draw on his on his own and I don't know that Fury Nagano actually means as much as Nagano thinks it's going to mean. And mm. I, and I think Fury kind of sees that. And I don't know that it, and Fury's never been in like a super huge ticket mover in the U.S. And I don't know that it would – I feel like that fight would happen, have to happen in the U.S. and I don't know how well it would do. Do if it happened in England, that's a whole different other story. Whole different story there. I mean, because obviously Fury's a big draw, draw in England, and uh, I don't know. Like I don't know that it. I don't know that Francis will make the money in that fight that he would. He would uh, in the UFC, and uh, I don't. And I don't see Francis fighting. You know these other boxers who are at his. You know who are at the same boxing experience level. Francis is thirty six, thirty seven years old, years old, and he's primarily a kickboxer. He's got no actual boxing experience. I don't know that he's going to be successful doing it. And the only point, the only way to, the only reason to go into boxing is to try to get you know fury right away. And I just don't see it happening. So, and then when you look at his MMA options, I mean, they're very slim. Uh, it's, uh, It's basically PFL. And I don't know that PFL has has is going to be able to offer them what the UFC could financially. I'm going to take no Bell- million
1: dollar prize
0: that year. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take Bellator out of the running because everything I've heard about Bellator is that they're for sale, and I don't see them taking on a big contract like a Francis Nagano when they're trying to sell the company. So that I mean, that's a uh, that's I feel like that's out of the question right there, right there. Uh, so. uh yeah, I just, I, we'll see what he says. But if, if everything I've been led to believe about his financial, financial like offer, like, I don't know that he's going to get it outside of the UFC. And, and the UFC obviously, wait, with, with their, uh, with their decision to waive matching rights, that only hurts Naganu's negotiations. Because now, if somebody like PFL wanted to step in, they would have had to offer him what the UFC did. And now that they're not going to have to offer that, they're just going to lowball him. And he, mm. you know, I think, I think, you know, you know, I think things are going to turn around. I think he's going to. I think by the time July rolls around, we're going to see Francis Ligano back in the UFC. Just my gut opinion.
1: Well, it's funny. I mean, the way you, you framed it. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And when when you said it, like. I mean, can anybody imagine if Francis Ngannou was set up on like a Showtime boxing show and he was fighting somebody that wasn't Tyson Fury? Like, I don't think anybody, because I think people would either assume he's just going to crush some tomato can, or it's just not worth buying.
0: Yeah, or because because why? You know, and, and he could easily be exposed if he's fighting True. fighting any, you know, uh, you know, a, a journeyman who's what five and three you know
1: but has a you know a lot of experience and knockout power
0: yeah yeah exactly exactly because you know training for mma and training for boxing as we've seen are two completely different things
1: things definitely the the level of cardio is different it's just the demands are different so
0: and just because and i think i think some of these guys like francis like they see the power that they have and what they're doing in MMA with that power. And I think it will translate to boxing. But as we saw with Connor, granted Connor went against Floyd Mayweather, but it was also Floyd who didn't take the fight seriously, but Connor was in over his head against Floyd. And I think Francis would be the same way if it was a legitimate fight against, against uh, fury. And, and if it's not a legitimate fight, if it's just going to be an exhibition against fury, which I had heard, in the past, was the possibility of it would just be an exhibition. And it's pointless because the exhibition doesn't count; doesn't matter. Like, what's the point of doing an exhibition fight? It's a mean it's meaningless. So,
1: yeah, and I, I just, doubt either would uh, train a hundred percent for it like they would for a championship fight. You know yeah. why, why? Why do that when you're getting paid a similar amount? Yeah. So, like I said, I think,
0: I think, uh I think whoever is advising Francis, uh you, you know, ma- made a big mistake, and he. And and uh, Eric Nixick, Francis's, uh, Francis's coach, said that he was at the dinner meeting with Hunter Campbell and Dana White, and Francis told him after the fight, if I take this deal, I feel like I'm a sellout. I mean, I don't – honestly, if you're taking a deal that's making you the, the second or third highest paid fighter in UFC history, I don't think you're a sellout at all.
1: I mean, yeah. uh, sell out Like, what? What is? Uh, what you, as, what, opposed what?
0: as opposed to what? As opposed to to what? You're selling out because you're only getting ten million, ten million a fight, and not twenty million a fight.
1: Like, yeah, I mean, if that means you're a sellout, please, yeah. I want to be a sellout so badly. Yeah, yeah I mean,
0: like, a, like I said, like I've mentioned a hundred times, like these fighters deserve to get paid, get paid of better. Of course, of course, but like, like even like it, even even ten million a fight for UFC that breaks their scale. I mean. I mean, until until they get to a situation where they're forced to give that that much to fighter fighters, they won't. But the fact that they're trying to offer that much to get to make a fight shows that they're serious about it. I mean, I mean, yeah, it should be more, you know, in theory compared to what the top boxers make. Yeah, it should be more, but MMA is on a different scale. I'm kind of sick of I'm kind of sick of people of people and especially fighters comparing what. What boxers make to what MMA fighters make should be similar, yeah. But the truth is, it's not just because of the way MMA is. It's just it's just not. And and the differences in MMA on on the bottom scale compared to the bottom of the boxing scale are hugely different. That's where the that's where the makeup is. So it's it's like yeah, you're you're a guy who who wants to be paid. Forty million, like you know, Tyson Fury fury would be for a fight, but at the same same time, you're not a sellout. Only taking ten when you want forty, because the little guys are still making. You know, granted, it should be more, but they're still making sixteen. Whereas the little guys in in boxing, maybe lucky to make sixteen hundred a fight.
1: So and and people got to realize that MMA has been fighting for TV for like less than 20 years it it, the fight's inside the ring and octagon there's been so many fights outside the ring for the sport in general just to be at a level where you can even say or compare it to boxing boxing has added yeah. the advantage of being around for centuries yeah. having uh general knowledge that people have of it it's always had television it's always been big television yeah. mma was you know uh, it was a, a fight against the u.s government uh, that called the cockfighting for years yeah. and and now it's like it, in time, I'm sure. Yeah. I hope we'll get there, but it just things can't happen overnight, and yeah. you can't just equate boxing and MMA. Yeah,
0: what I would really like MMA fighters to do when it comes to comparing pay, don't compare your pay with the top level boxers. Try to get try to get more than the highest paid MMA guy will made. Try to get more than Conor get paid, and then if you're Francis Nagano and you get more than Conor get paid got paid, then if you're John Jones, try to get more than Nagano got paid. Just keep trying to break the MMA scale. If you keep trying to break the MMA scale, you're eventually, it might take a long time, but you're eventually going to get to that boxing scale. But if you're worried about trying to get to the boxing scale immediately, immediately, like it's not going to work. Just worry about breaking the MMA scale because if you keep breaking the MMA scale, all it's going to do is bring that MMA pay up.
1: And I know people get a Anxious or frustrated because fellas like Jake Paul are getting paid X amount of money, but it's because these guys are their draws. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, like them, hate them, experience or not, if people are paying the money just to the box office to see the show, that's how that's one way to get money. But if you're going to go the traditional route, do like you said, Ryan, you just got to keep pushing the MMA salary up yeah. and that's what it'll get there depending get, on the fighters too it'll get there but it's gotta be it's gotta you
0: got takes two sides of tango tango force the ufc to break that mma skill and mm-hmm. just keep doing that just you, if you're the next side comes comes along if you're yeah you, know, you know each guy that comes along adesanya Usman, whoever whoever just each guy that comes along just keep worrying about breaking an mma mma skill and then you're going to see guys like Jake Paul yeah he made a bunch of money boxing but his last fight with Anderson Silva did six sixty thousand 60,000 buys to the point where Jake Paul's having to negotiate with the PFL to try to do do the publicity stunt of doing MMA because the boxing is because he's pretty much It was a talented. gimmick. Yeah, it was a mean... gimmick. The gimmick is run dry and run dry in boxing. You know, he ain't going to box anymore anymore and he did even jake paul did his ridiculous thing that he did same thing he did with nate diaz he he said francis i'll give you two fight contract first boxing second mma because he knows that he knows that you know as i mentioned with the nate diaz thing if he wins the boxing match he ain't no way he's giving the mma fight you know Hmm. that's that's a gimmick gimmick of itself you know so uh, but anyway yeah that'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few months so uh yeah and a few other news notes to get into get into before we wrap things up for the day uh Bellator announced their uh lightweight Grand Prix this past week they're doing the they they uh, announced last year that they were gonna do a lightweight grand Prix and they announced all the participants this past week uh, the uh there's eight including AJ McKee is going to be finding the lightweight lightweight uh, Grand Prix, which ruins one of my bold predictions of the of this year. I had a bold prediction that A.J. McKee was going to sign with the UFC. That's not happening because he signed a new deal with Bellator uh, prior to being announced asked for this. But the first-round matchups are going to be uh, the current champion, uh, Usman Nurmagomedov against Benson Henderson. That's going to be March 10th in San Jose, as well as March 10th in San Jose is going to be Tofiq, Musayev against Alexander Shabili. and uh May 12th in Paris is going to be Sydney Outlaw against Mansour Barnoui. and the other the other quarterfinal matchup is going to be the aforementioned AJ McKee against Petrik Pitbull and uh that that's on a date to be determined so uh it looks like the brackets they're clearly hoping for Nurmagomedov and McKee in the finals uh yeah anything to say about that?
1: is are any of these matches going to be at the l a um show on February fourth? No, no. Uh, the uh, unless they add McKee
0: and patricky to that to that, but uh, I think february fourth is is uh, pretty well put because they're only they're only doing three fights on CBS, so and they have the two title fights. And then Sabah Homasi against Brendan Ward. So I think that's pretty well set from the looks of it. Hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, May 10th, May 12th for that one, the Outlaw barnui fight, and then March 10th for the other two. And I guess McKee and Pitbull will probably be, I don't know, April or so. They haven't announced a date, but I would say April. So, uh, yeah, and uh, another, another uh, news bit. Uh, we talked last week about Henry Cejudo saying that he was going to fight Aljamain Sterling on March 4th, and then the next day Sterling said he has a bicep injury and that he wasn't going to fight on March 4th. Uh, kind of remains to see, see what happens. Uh, Sterling said he's had the bicep injury during his last two fights and needs surgery. If he's had it for the last two fights, I don't know why he hasn't already had the surgery since he last fought in October. It just kind of feels like he's delaying it a little bit. Bit I don't know, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. And as far as uh, some fight announcements from this past week uh, that, that were announced uh, for UFC 286 on March 18th in London... We have the top two fights: uh, Leon Edwards against Kamar Usman is official for the UFC Welterweight Championship as a main event. Uh, co-main event is going to be Justin Gaethje against Rafael Fiziev. Uh, a couple other interesting, another interesting fight on that show is going to be Gunnar Nelson against Daniel Rodriguez. And then one fight for UFC 287 on April 8th is Michelle Waterson against Luana Pinero. Uh, UFC 287 on April 8th. It does not have a location officially announced, but I've heard Brooklyn is going to be. Lake Parkways at Brooklyn is going to be where it's at, is what I've heard. Cool. So that about wraps up everything. Uh, Justin, you got anything you want to plug here?
1: Uh, write that down. Fight A Media Network on Thursdays, Usually. Last week, we covered uh, Johnny Powers. If you remember him, Johnny Powers recently passed away just before the new year. And he was a big part of Antonio Inoki's career early on in New Japan. And also this weekend, Pro Wrestling Noah at Wrestle Kingdom 17 in Yokohama, and also at hashtag Bye Bye Muta on January 22nd. Great Muta will face off with, uh, he'll team with Sting and uh, Darby Allen from AEW uh, against Hakushi and Akira Nogami and. Now, Michi Fuji in the main event. You could buy that on Fight TV for twenty bucks, or get it on Wrestle Universe if you want to listen in English.
0: Very nice, very nice. As far as me, uh, this week I'll be back in the Wrestling Observer newsletter with the uh, UFC recap from this past weekend. Uh, you can see my uh, front page live coverage of UFC 283 this coming Saturday, and uh, yeah, check us both out at Twitter. What's your what's your Twitter handle, Justin?
1: On Twitter, I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R. You can find me there. And, yeah. Yeah, and of course, me,
0: if you don't know, I'm at Ryan J. Frederick. And if you forget, just the UFC will remind you on Saturday with one of my tweets on the on the screen. So, uh, always look forward to that. And, uh, yeah, that about wraps everything up. Uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do our usual show close and say, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Uh, have a great week and enjoy the fights this weekend. And don't worry, I'll be gone next week. Paul will be right back
1: with you guys. So thanks for having me, Ryan.
0: Thank you for filling in, Justin. I very much appreciate it. No problem.